Exactly did Granny do for a living? I have no idea. I just learned about her yesterday. The beast in me. God help the beast in me. everybody, welcome to The Pod and the Pendulum, the horror movie podcast covering all franchises, one movie and one episode at a time. I am Mike. I am Jess. And we are back this week. We are back in the dirty roads of Texas to cover 2013's Texas Chainsaw 3D. But we are not alone. We are bringing back a returning guest. We are bringing back someone who's like, I only want to talk about the most misunderstood and uh, maligned movies of this franchise. Uh, He was adamant about coming back on this. So he actually hunted me down. (laughs) So I was really bad about getting this one (laughs) scheduled. He was like, I will go to my grave talking about this movie. From the Dead Letter Movie Podcast, Andrew Fabry. Andrew, how are we? I'm doing all right. Doing great, cuz. 
<laughs> yes. So we are going to be beating that joke to death tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely going to be doing that. And we have no regrets. Um, so, Andrew, as our guest, I'll start with you. What is it about mm-hmm. this movie that made you want to talk about it? When did you first see it? What were your initial impressions of it? Um, I, I saw it in the theater. Um, I felt like I needed to support a horror film in 3D. Um, and I like the Chainsaw movies, and I think it came out in, like, January, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, a time where, which at the time was a dumping ground and is maybe still to an extent. But And so I was like, Chainsaws in 3D, what is not to like? Um, so I thought, I have to go see this, and I saw it by myself because I couldn't convince any of my friends to go see a Chainsaw movie in 3D. And I feel like it knew what it was, and it committed to that. It stayed in its lane, and it delivered on enough 3D things to not be annoying when you see it flat, but... Okay, maybe a little bit annoying, but not as egregious as other movies. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I was found myself entertained and having a good time. Um, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all, but <laughs> but that's that's totally fine, because I don't know if any of them other than the first one really do. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And uh, I kind of like the fact that they try to fudge the fact that she should be ten years older and and hide it. We will and, like, talk they, about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. There's just there's a lot of things about it that it, that I like. I feel like all the pe- like you know there's a lot of people from the Chainsaw family, not just the Sawyers, but I mean like there's a lot of previous Chainsaw people involved in this. Toby Hooper was involved in this. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Chop Top, but he's not Chop Top. And Bill Mosley. Um, Bill Mosley, yeah, Bill Mosley is in this play, which I didn't realize he was playing Drayton until like mm-hmm. the fourth time I've seen this movie. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, uh, but there's like there's a solid familial thing going on here. It mm-hmm. feels like a sequel, but it feels like its own thing. I don't know. There's just something I kind of like about it. It's just it knows what it is and it has fun with what it is. Yeah, so I guess that's why I've always kind of like been like you know this isn't as bad as it seems it should be right yeah. right it's like being married to me it's not as bad <laughs> as yeah. people would say jess how about yourself uh the first time i saw it was earlier this year i still can't believe it was this year when i did a full franchise rewatch getting ready for the new texas chainsaw mm-hmm. i'd never seen it before uh the first time i watched it I didn't care for it. I rolled my eyes so hard at do your thing cuz and I had just had a visceral like gut reaction where I didn't like it. But it still landed smack dab in the middle of my franchise ranking just due to the peculiarities <laughs> of this franchise. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I kind of did a 180 on a lot of it where I find it charming now when, where I found it annoying before and I I actually like it more. I haven't changed my ranking because Again, this franchise is so strange in mm-hmm. the you know, all of it, but um, I've really come around on it and I really enjoy it. So I thought it would be fun to talk about it. Yeah. Do you do a full franchise rewatch whenever there's a new like? Will you be doing a full franchise rewatch of Halloween ahead of Halloween ends? No, because I um, before the new Texas Chainsaw came out, I had heard about how complicated the lore was, but mm-hmm. I had I had only seen. The original and uh, return, what whatever the current title mm-hmm. is, the fourth movie. Those were the only two I'd seen, and I thought, no, I just need to watch the whole thing okay. straight through and catch up on all the diverging plot lines. Okay, so that begs the next question: 
once you watched the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, were you were you like, all right, who are you motherfuckers that made me sit through <laughs> all of these movies so I could understand the quote unquote lore of the, going into this one? No, I was. I always enjoy filling in blind spots, and I knew okay. it was something I definitely needed yeah. to do. It was a long mm-hmm. time coming, so I'm glad that I saw all of them, even though there were some movies that I suffered through rather than enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but I, I was angry when I saw the newest one, but not for that reason. Just, I was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was angry for how Sally was treated and a couple of other things. Oh, so you didn't like them like throwing the final girl in a literal pile of garbage? I did not. Okay. <laughs> I was enraged. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Very fair. I think it, it has the best ending since the first one. Well, I don't, not to jump ahead, but I love that they... The most annoying character since Franklin gets decapitated. I think that's a myth. While a Tesla drives away and that a was, shot that mirrors yeah. Sally, I'm like... That was pretty funny. You've redeemed yourself. Yeah. Um, so I very much like it. Andrew was saying, like, I saw this alone opening night in January. I'm like, are you me? <laughs> um, so I also like, like opening night in the theater... Um, went and caught this one. I think I might have gone to see it in 2D because I'm not necessarily a huge 3D fan. Um, Because, like, hey, it's a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a new horror movie in theaters. Like, I'm going to go support this. And I remember my initial reaction to this movie is, like, what a pile of garbage. Like, I did not like this movie at all. Um, And then in preparing to read and I don't think I, I maybe watched it like one other time. Uh, Cause sometimes when you don't like a movie, like I'll watch it again just to confirm that I don't like it because really with the limited amount of time we have on this earth, why not spend 90 minutes confirming you don't <laughs> like something? Um, if COVID has taught us anything, it's waste your time because mm-hmm. you never know when it will end. Um, but rewatching it, a few months ago for the podcast because I, I did what you did Jess is like I not for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie but just like I think I finally want to tackle this franchise do I really want to sit through all of these movies just because I love like the first couple so much mm-hmm. in rewatching it I'm like you know what this movie's a lot of fun and maybe it's because like on my other show with psychoanalysis we tackle such heavy topics um Maybe, and we watch movies in a different way, and maybe it's because, you know, we've get, like, there's A24 movies, which obviously mm-hmm. is, like, pretty heavy-duty horror. You have Mike Flanagan doing, like, what Halloweenies calls, like, hug-me horror. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of great horror, but it's also really heavy. Mm-hmm. There's something about watching, like, Alexandra Daddario scream you know do your thing cuz while wearing like a half shirt (laughs) that like there is a place for that in horror movies like it's fun it knows the movie it is um and I'm like I like this a lot more than I remembered liking it and watching it for the rewatch again ahead of this like it went up even more in my in my estimation because I'm like this movie knows what it is like this movie Mm -hmm. knows what it wants to be I actually ordered the Blu-ray after watching it on HBO just for because there's it was that golden period where we're going to pack our Blu-rays with like as many special features as possible, even for the most like inconsequential movie. 
it has three commentaries. <laughs> three, yeah. Three, three, three of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of them is like the actors from the first Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre yeah. that are also in this movie and, and Bill Mosley. Like that's yes. like yeah. Sold. I'm buying the Blu-ray the second yeah, for, we get off this call. <laughs> for ten yeah. bucks you cannot go wrong. Wow. Um and just like watching the behind the scenes, especially the like opening, they do a pretty good like mini documentary on just like building the house, like the replica of the house and yeah. watching like Gunnar Hansen and Marilyn Burns like and John Dugan also yeah. returns for this as grandpa mm-hmm. um, go through it and like their sense of like awe and sense of like, oh, my God, how the memories it brought back. Like it was actually especially because like Gunnar Hansen and Marilyn Burns are no longer with us. And they, they and Hooper all died, like, relatively close to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of made me a little tearful in some ways. Like, I got a little, you know, a, it made me a little sad just kind of missing them. So I, I think this is going to be a really fun discussion right now. So let's talk a little bit about how this movie came together. Um, after... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, underperforms. Uh, even though it, it was still very profitable, like Platinum Dunes, kind of almost like Blumhouse, where Happy Death Day was a really big hit. Happy Death Day 2 was only a moderate hit. So they don't get to finish Happy Death Day 3, even though it would not cost a lot of money, it would make money. They're like, it's just not profitable enough. Kind of the same thing with Texas Chainsaw the beginning and I think what we started to see starting around 2007 Halloween Rob Zombie Halloween comes out makes a lot of money fans don't love it two years later Halloween 2 does like half of the money with a twice the budget so like okay well that's gonna go away now Friday the 13th comes out massive opening weekend and then I think it sets a record for like largest drop from first week to second week Mm -hmm. Same with the Elm Street remake. So there's kind of a a shift in horror. It's when Paranormal Activity comes out. That kills the Saw franchise dead. And you start to see these studios say, well, rather than spend like a lot of money for a little bit of a return, let's do like micro-budget horror. And like a couple million bucks, if we market it right, we can make a hundred million what do you both remember from like horror from this time? Like what were you looking for seeking out? I feel like cabin in the woods came out around that time too. 2012, 2012. Yeah. Okay. So like horror was already in a place to eat itself. And I I say that lovingly. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, I guess maybe I was looking for more self-aware things at the time, but I can't honestly think of what, cause I just would go to movies and, if there was a horror film at the like around that time was when I started my try to see R rated non found footage, original non franchise movies, unless mm-hmm. it was, you know, a chainsaw movie in 3d of course. But, um, so like around that time was the thing I was kind of focusing on, but I don't remember a lot of them from that time, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, this might be a little too heavy for this conversation. Uh, the 2010s, I was, uh, in a relationship with someone who did not like horror and was very controlling. And I did Mm. not watch much horror because I kind of wasn't allowed to sort of. Um, So I missed out on like a decade of horror 
that I'm kind of playing catch up on because I'm out of that relationship and like actually going to movies I want to see and watching Mm -hmm. things at home I want to see. So I'm kind of playing catch up on a whole decade there. So I can't really speak to like my awareness of what was going on or anything like that. What's it like playing catch up? Um, It's fun, but it's sad. Because I okay. feel like I missed out on so much, mm-hmm. and I've missed out on like a lot of community with horror fans and being able to mm-hmm. reminisce about things. But it's always fun being able to discover things that you haven't yeah. seen. So, cool. Well, we will feed you more of these <laughs> movies. Like, Please. check this out. <laughs> I I remember for me, like it was when I was running my site, All Things Horror, and also like screening movies in Boston every month. Like we would. Mm. find movies that were like playing the festival circuit and if they would allow us to like we'd get the rights to like show them so like we were doing like jeremy gardner's the battery um benson and moorhead we did spring uh one year um we were getting like the soska twins we did like dead hooker in a trunk in america we were i think like the east coast premiere of american mary like i started the screening like five minutes before some place in New York and on the same night just to say we were it. <laughs> so there was like so much really cool, like indie horror coming out as well that I almost like if it was studio horror, I'm kind of like, unless it was a franchise I really loved, I'm like, eh, I'm kind of ignoring it. Um, but you do get like, it's the year that like four remakes, there's Carrie, which is at the low end of the spectrum, yeah. but it's the year of the evil dead remake too, which is still, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's pretty good. Um, it it holds up Mm -hmm. doing things a little bit different. It's also the year the conjuring comes out and that is a movie that, yeah, just kind (laughs) of like the Marvel of horror movies. Basically it is, Mm -hmm. you know, completely changes the landscape. And it probably is the movie that says to studios like, Oh, like if you spend some money and market it and treat it like a real, release and not something you just dump into theaters in january like you can make a shit ton of money into horror again like almost needed a reminder of that and i think it kind of this is when you start to see towards the back half of the decade where that pays dividends where you get movies like it chapter one Mm -hmm. and halloween with dave and gordon green so it's a fascinating period i think in horror and one like to be honest i think it's a blind spot for a lot of folks I just remember, like, Saw was finished. Um, Purge was just starting up. Paranormal Activity was, like, definitely winding down. The remakes had definitely wound down. Um, The reason I bring up The Conjuring is we almost got a James Wan-directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. It's part of a trilogy, which would have seen the second movie directed by Toby Hooper. Mm. And I know what you're thinking, listeners. I know you're thinking like, <laughs> why didn't I get these movies? This sounds amazing. Oh my God. Who took these away from me? God damn them. And there's an excellent article in bloody disgusting. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes here so you can find it by Jason Jenkins. Uh, it is Leatherface, Stephen Susco, and James Wan tear into the Chainsaw sequel trilogy that almost was. And you're just thinking like a James. This is James Wan like off a saw and dead silence, but pre The Conjuring. It's even pre Insidious when he was involved with mm, this. Okay. And, you know, 
basically uh, producer Steven Susco approaches, finds out that New Line and Platinum Dunes are going to let the rights relapse back to the original right holders, which are Kim Hankel, Robert Kuhn, and Toby Hooper. And in order to get the rights to do this movie, he has to do like a whole song and dance, basically. Like, it's very hard to get them all to sign off and all to agree. I think individually there might be or might have been some a little bit of bad blood there. So it maybe took some negotiating to get them all on board. And you're like, all right. And, Jane, and I'm like, this probably was like one of those things you're like, well, what if we get James Wan to do it? And they're like, yeah, he's not going to do it. And then that's it. But no, like there are photographs in this article (laughs) of James Wan sitting down with Toby Hooper and showing him like potential designs for Leatherface. Like they're holding up a design for Leatherface. And it looks a little bit like the cover of the Mr. Bungle album, like (laughs) OU81. So that first Mr. Bungle record with... Oh, um, it totally does. Right? Yeah. With the... Classic tracks, Girls of Porn and My Ass is on Fire. <laughs> Fucking amazing album. Um, they're there having Long Island iced teas. They're in like, they look all happy with each other. So they're totally like, oh, and also like someone brought up Neil Marshall as well to do the yes. third movie. Although that was like, and you're like, oh my God, this movie sounds amazing. <laughs> Why didn't we get it? Well, Let's talk about what this movie was. <laughs> so, if you're someone that really loves the cult of Thorn in the Halloween Six, if you're someone that is like, give me more of the Man in Black, give me more of the Power of the Runes held him back, this would have been the trilogy for you. This would have been so far up your alley. Uh, you would have been like, it would have been like cult fucking porn for everybody at this point um the idea was that the family for and i guess it's kind of like this in return of the texas chainsaw massacre where there's like the illuminati but that is so wacky and so tangential to the rest of the movie that you're kind of like well that's weird what's and also you're like what's up with that guy's nipples like that (laughs) distracts everybody Sorry, folks. It's been a long day. That's uh, they, this is still my burning question after watching every single movie in this franchise is what is up with that guy's up? nipples? Just, that is like even even if I watch movies that aren't Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. I will just go watch like the new anything, really. It could be Woody that's, Allen and I'll be like, that's quite hey, the legacy there. Woody Allen, but also like, what's up with that? You should go to horror conventions about Texas that, yeah. Chainsaw 4. Oh, boy. Okay. It really is. So I'm scrolling. Yeah. yeah. So this movie would have started where the first movie ends. It would have seen like Sally escaping in the back of the truck. And then for some reason, like the truck stops. She goes black to the back back of the Black Maria and finds out that that truck is transporting bodies to be taken to the farm because you see this family is part of a larger cult that has overtaken the town and they're all wearing the same symbol and then sally would have run away from that obviously as one does when you encounter the back of a 18 wheeler filled with human remains Mm -hmm. one tends to want to escape from that 
She runs away from it. However, I'm quoting from the article here, before Sally can help her flee, an older woman previously glimpsed inside of the gas station, which I don't remember that happening, uh, appears behind Sally and swings an axe into her neck, murdering the short-lived survivor of the previous night's horrors. So obviously it would have been a different actress from Marilyn Burns, but they would have like, so they would have swapped out Marilyn Burns and then within the first five minutes, like buried an axe in her neck and then like thrown her into a garbage heap at that point. Right? So that's off to a good start. Like if you're a <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan and you're like, we're getting a continuation of the first movie, Jessica, what would have been the first thing you wanted to see there? It wouldn't have been watching Sally nearly decapitated with an axe. If I had to have a continuation of the first movie, I I don't know that I would have wanted to see anything with Sally at all. Like, I don't think... I think Sally survives, but Sally doesn't survive unscathed. Mm -hmm. Like, she's in a mental institution or something. Like, mm -hmm. she is not okay. Um, but I don't want further physical harm to come to her because she survived, mm -hmm. damn it. She earned, like, more than mm -hmm. almost any other final girl, she yeah. earned her escape. Yeah. And I, it's, <laughs> that's why I had such an issue with the new one. It's such an, an insult to me that, like, no, nope, nope, there goes her head within five minutes mm -hmm. of the next movie. Um, yeah, I would just want to see more of, I, this is, I'm sure, very uncreative of me, but more of what this family gets up to operating, not in the shadows, because it's broad daylight, but like kind of in mm -hmm. the shadows being, they've been disregarded by everybody, mm -hmm. so kind of thrown away themselves and what they get up to mm -hmm. being thrown away. I, I'm, I would be totally fine with a continuation, <laughs> but not where Sally gets mm -hmm. her head chopped off or gets thrown in the garbage. I'm glad you said you won't want to see more of the family because what this movie would have done is not that. They also <laughs> would have all been dead. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what you would have gotten is just following Leatherface. I think it's um, so Leatherface gets back to the home. He picks up pieces of the hitchhiker's face off the Leatherfaces or ground the hitchhikers? and collapses okay. from his grievous injuries. Which, yeah, let's say the hitchhiker is not in a good spot. Wrong, um, Andrew, how bad did his injury look at the you know, okay. end of... So the, the thing is, like Leatherface is, yeah, like Leatherface. he's hurt. I mean, like he's <laughs> his leg but good, but he's still able Leather, to like he, dance he, in the he's sun. Dead. So he's not. I don't it's know. It seems wound. to be pretty. I mean, like <laughs> he's walking around. He's doing okay. He's spry. Yeah. Pretty spry. Yeah. Oh, Walk it off. That that dance did him in and so he collapses to the ground and i guess like people stand over him and drag him away cuts to black 37 from the article again i really jason jenkins kudos it's an awesome article mm -hmm. uh because it goes super into d i've now seen this movie without seeing it 37 years later nearly four decades have passed oh, to bring us to the then modern day of 2010 Leatherface, now in his mid-50s, works at a slaughterhouse for an abusive older couple, Bethany and Tobit, tasked with watching over the killer and keeping him in line. Uh, his only friend in the world is a stray dog that visits and appreciates the food that Leatherface slips to. Honestly, I'm surprised that it didn't happen before. I'm really thinking about face. it. I can't do it. 
Leatherface has a fucking stray dog best friend. It's like old yeller, but with Leatherface. Oh my god, it's brilliant! I I lost it. Gon has his signature mask replaced with a cloth veil affixed to his head with screws driven into his flesh and bone, of course, as you do. Because, you know, when you think of Leatherface, you think, what if we made him Baghead Jason? So, so far you have <laughs> Baghead Jason and Cult of Thorn is what's going on here. So apparently what it is is this whole town is, is tasked by a, a cult. And he would have, like, fought the cult one by one. And there's stuff about, like, the Wendigo, and they wanted to tie, like, Native American yeah. cannibals into it wow. to explain why the family was cannibals. Like, we're going to blame it on the Native Americans. No. That's why this family is a family of cannibals. Um, which, yikes. Like, that is, mm-hmm. you know, like, that would not have held up to scrutiny <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> Leatherface would have been super canceled by 2022 if that were the case. Um, there's someone named Isaac who's like a rich douchebag that has like a hot girlfriend that you come to find out like Isaac is part of the cult. Though there's one cool little kill here. Leatherface swings Isaac around the room like a rag doll, breaking bones with every collision. Um yeah, it basically would have been a cult of people that control the family in Leatherface, and it would end with like him returning to the farmhouse to kind of like gather up his strength and resources to fight the cult back against the cult after breaking free from the old couple in part one. Like, no, no, no. it was just like I'm trying to find something on the cult here. Hold on, give me one moment, and then I will. At the house, they find Eve Gelton and David Gelton. Isaac's siblings, neither the parents are there, but the brother or sister maker, heroes feel right at home. Leatherface makes his way into Effet, noticing a strange crescent symbol on the police cruisers. As one has. The same symbol worn by the men who killed his family all those years ago. Okay. He sees a small diner. He grinds up the cook's severed arm into a hamburger patty for himself and his pet. Oh, it's kind of sweet like there's a lot of gore here but like basically everywhere there's this like crescent symbol around and the whole town is part of it so am i underselling this movie is this something either of you would have been like no this sounds fucking awesome (laughs) you know jess you go (laughs) no i when i was reading it like i could feel the uh the grief over this vision not coming to life for the screenwriter. And I could feel mm-hmm. him like, Oh, this was going to be perfect. It was going to be brilliant. It was going to be amazing. I'm so sad. It didn't get made. <laughs> I am. I'm not a cult of thorn fan. I know there are Halloween six defenders out there, but you know, maybe if they had had Paul Rudd show up and say Leatherface is under the yeah, influence of an evil rune, amazing. that would have sold it. That would have saved it. Mm-hmm. But that's the only way, I think. Yeah. And I like Halloween 6. Like, I am a defender. I think if you take the two versions, there's one really good yeah. movie if you mix them together. Mm-hmm. But this is not it. Andrew, <laughs> what about yourself? I, I'm wondering if James Wan had a totally unrelated idea that he realized that was never going to get any kind of funding, but maybe if he somehow connected it to a different franchise, 
Mm-hmm. And that's like, cause that's, that's what I'm wondering. It's like, I have this like Native American cannibal cult movie I want to make, but there's no way anyone's going to let me do that. Maybe if I roll in the Texas Chainsaw folk, mm-hmm. maybe that'll work. That That's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> I feel like this movie would have killed his career. Oh, like a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. you get insidious. I don't think you get the, like we, if James Wan, like we would be talking about like a much different movie, movie right now for one, but yeah. also like, I don't think we're talking about the conjuring. I don't think he gets a chance. To, I don't think he gets a chance to direct his kids high school play. <laughs> if he does this movie. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. No. So, yeah. So that is what we almost got. What we end up getting, like, Adam Marcus and his wife, Deborah Sullivan, are brought on. Like, they actually pitch to Stephen Susco, who takes their two-page treatment and basically tells them, like, you have the job. He then takes the treatment to uh, Lionsgate. And Lionsgate is like, this sounds pretty good, but uh, also we need to, like... So he's like, oh, I like your idea, Stephen, but now we have to, like see we, they hire 17 other pairs of writers to make their pitch so adam marcus and deborah sullivan who are like hey you told us we have the job have to go to lionsgate and repitch their idea to lionsgate and not let them know that like they wrote the original draft and they so they went into the meeting and marcus and then behind the scenes interview says like yeah i basically brought them like 15 pages of script and that is what helped land them the gig and he's very smart he's like look we're pretty political we knew if we went in there and trashed the producer and said this was our we already wrote this like they would have been kind of like all right well you guys don't want to play ball so he talks about his movie like most of what you see was like brought page to screen you see on screen his thing was like i didn't write couples that like cheated on each other um, I didn't write it so that like the boyfriend cheated or like your best friend, you know, stole her boyfriend. I didn't have the hitchhiker be an asshole that would rob them because um, that makes no sense. He did. He's like, I didn't write the line like do your thing because which I'm like, oh, dude, I would totally own that line <laughs> at this point. Yeah. People are making T-shirts about that. So I've talked a lot right now. We're like 30 minutes in and I've talked far too much. So. We ready to talk about this movie a little bit? Yeah. Let's start at the beginning. Like the what this movie it brings us back to the night of the first movie. What do we think of this opening scene? This kind of shootout between Leatherface's family and the rest of the town. Well, that first three minutes of previously on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> was yep. really great in 3D. I can tell you that, and it had no right to be looks. because mm-hmm. because it was it had no right to be because it was like a post conversion, and it's not like Toby and them were thinking about that because they took the original footage and then they you know 3D'd it, mm-hmm. and it looked really cool. And I mean, maybe I mean, mind you, it was really quick hits, and so it wasn't lingering long mm-hmm. enough for it to look bad. But it still, it was really effective. I, however, missed that Bill Mosley was edited in there. I was going to ask, did you notice they swapped yeah. out Jim Sidow? Yeah, I did. I did not notice that until I was like listening to a commentary, mm-hmm. and they bring it up, like, oh, that did happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, as for the the shootout part, it it makes sense if I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if uh, it's this might be the most anti-Texas 
like entry of the group um, when it mm -hmm. comes to just like things we associate with Texas, like the good old boys, like bringing yeah. law into their own hands, like they're like, yeah, it, it it makes sense from like a narrative standpoint to to have the town of mm -hmm. the town of Newt apparently have its revenge. Yeah. And to be fair, none of these movies paint Texas in a very positive light. Yeah, that's the thing. None of them make Texas look particularly no. great, but this one may... <laughs> yeah, it may go the farthest. I'm not sure. But... What about yourself, Jess? Uh, okay. I will admit to being a total poindexter. Like, I hate retcons. I hate... You know, I'm not a cinema sins person. I'm not a, oh, well, there's a plot hole right there. But... Um, I think using footage from the amazing original will inevitably set you up for, for failure because you're going to be comparing Fair it. Point, yeah. um, and also suddenly we go from a house filled with bones and feathers and maybe three people to a house with dozens of family members armed to the gills that we just never noticed in the first movie. I Things like that bother me. <laughs> I, yeah. I, <laughs> what, yeah. I wrote down, where were these people? Yeah. Like, right. Where, like, yeah. Is there a basement they At were a hiding family in? Reunion? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's so. They did recreate the house to like a pretty exquisite level of detail. Like a lot of the they, they write down to a lot of like the set decoration. Like for example, like one of the masks, the mat, the the face mask that was hanging over the table at the dinner scene like that's replicated mm -hmm. they replicate a lot of the furniture and the look of it mm -hmm. um gunner hansen is sitting by the same window yeah. that he sits by when he wants to know why these people are are coming from mm -hmm. um i you know it is silly isn't it like it's a very silly scene um where do we think that these other family <laughs> members I don't know. In, a picnic? I, I have no idea. <laughs> they were sleeping in all the cars that were hidden underneath that netting out by the house. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. And it's kind of implied that the town knows what's going on, right? You get that line, like, can't cover this one up or something like similar to that, which to me, part of the appeal of that. And again, like, it's not something like Hooper and Hankel were thinking of like, oh, maybe 40 years from now we'll do like, you know, a shootout at the OK Corral. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like, well, I like better the idea that this family is kind of operating under the radar, like they're just doing their thing. Mm -hmm. um, but what do we think? Like there's like four cameos in the scene. Like we mentioned Bill Mosley. He comes back. He replaces the um, deceased Jim Sidow to play Drayton. Uh, you have Gunnar Hansen playing kind of like a more hard-nosed, like, badass type guy. I wish we could have gotten him under the make. It would have been great if we could have returned him under the makeup for mm -hmm. a shot. Marilyn Burns is in this scene. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. She comes later. But you also get, like, John Duggan, Duggan returning as grandpa. Um, I kind of like that sense of, like, continuity or that sense of, like, it's – it brings a sense of whimsy and fun, which mm -hmm. is not how I would normally describe this <laughs> franchise. Kind of like, who gives a fuck at this point? We're 40 years in. You know what movie you're getting. Um, what do we think of the action itself? And what do we think of the, these townspeople are in the wrong, right? Like these townspeople are truly mm -hmm. villains. Yeah. 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 I, li I like the whole movie's emphasis on family 
in family loyalty and like it's got a very strong like anti-mob mentality a cab thing going on which i appreciate (laughs) (laughs) um i i really like that it's because this has always been a series about that family and i Mm -hmm. i like that it kind of maintains that focus um i think it's interesting to see where the movies diverge from that and where they kind of hew closer to it so i i like the you know the criticism of these you know this mob of so-called hicks who are just as in the wrong they might not be eating people but they're still you know they're like look at any opportunity for violence Mm -hmm. you know and brutality because of you know holding up the leg it's you know really grisly and horrible um so i like that aspect of it a lot that's kind of what endeared me to it more the second watch yeah 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 i kept thinking of bert as danny mcbride from the righteous gemstones (laughs) as um which which i will admit it kind of helped um it it did make it a lot funnier because he is kind of a a silly mayor character Mm -hmm. as it goes as as the film progresses um but yeah i yeah i'm with you with all the with all with everything you just said jess the thing i i like the family stuff i find really interesting and that there's it, it it answers that nature versus nurture question that in this case it is all it's the nature um so but yeah that's uh Dude, yeah. it, they, they went a direction and it, it works it works yeah <laughs> it's a you know not the not what i expected especially coming in yeah you no know, coming off like the two platinum dune movies which are oh totally yeah really grim really humorless and really yeah. dour. Like I think one thing I've mm-hmm. come to appreciate rewatching all of these movies and getting older when Toby Hooper says like, well, I thought my first one was more kind of a comedy. I can mm-hmm. kind of see it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a scary yeah, no, movie. No, I totally do now. Yeah. But you're like, okay, I get it. Um, Marcus Nispel's movie. Like there's not the, there's not an ounce of humor in the movie and then you get to the beginning which is even more grim Mm -hmm. and the only humor in that movie comes at the expense of like an obese person or a person that's handicapped like those are the only two jokes in the movie and everything else is like fucking grim city this comes Mm -hmm. out like okay this has a movie where like grandpa gets like shot and almost flies backwards (laughs) where you know Gunnar Hansen calls Leatherface simply simple, you know, and it's kind of like hard not to, and like where you have like the iconic photograph sound, like that camera were, mm-hmm. where yeah. it's being used to like over these pictures of these like redneck kicks as they're holding up body parts as trophies. <laughs> and then one of them, 40 years later, you just see his like big toe sticking out of this old mm-hmm. black sock. And he's like, those people were trash. And you're like, hello, Mr. Kettle. Have you met the pods? So yeah, it just has a, it has a sense of humor about itself. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's like, it, it knows what it is yeah. and mm-hmm. it's, it accepts it. It's like, mm-hmm. maybe like uh, when I was talking about, it, I was kind of expect, you know, one, it's self-aware horror at the time. Like, I mean, it's pretty self-aware of itself. Yeah. <laughs> It, Not to be redundant, but yeah. No, it, no, it's like, and look, I am an Adam Marcus apologist. Like, I love Friday the 13th Part 9. Mm-hmm. I will forever love that movie. Yes. If you go, for reasons, if you go back and listen to our Jason Goes to Hell episode, like, I just think he tries to do stuff that's a little bit different. You know, like, well, we've already done all this this before. Like, why not? Let's do something different. 
Um, like, you know, have Leatherface of a hot cousin. Um, here's what I have for you both. Who wants to tackle the timeline here? Because technically this, and Adam Marcus did say, I did not have fucking cell phones in my movies. You know, like I very deliberately wrote in, they drive a VW van as a nod to the first movie, but also make it set in the 90s. What the fuck is going on with the timeline here? How is Alexandre Daddario 40 years old in this movie? So apparently, and I, I listened to one of the commentaries and they talk about like they knew what they were doing. Um, so that's why when you, when, when they have the graveyard scene and they're like, they scan, like they, uh, they have, uh, the mom's like, you know, uh, the, uh, Alex- uh Alexandra's, um, mom's characters, mm-hmm. like grave is there, but the, the year is hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was their mm-hmm. way to get to skirt. That's like August 19th is there because it's mm, the day after yeah. all the stuff that happened in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when that whole family died. So they just purposely obscured the, like, the, that one so that they can be like yeah she's supposed to be 10 years older but mm, never mind um so uh, yeah they just they secretly update moved things for 10 years mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. Not yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean like that's the thing i don't 100 percent buy it either because i mm-hmm. when i was in the theater i was like wait a minute this doesn't work and that's just because you know don't they show the original the text date on the newspaper Later on in the oh, they yeah. might. Yeah, I think oh, they do. Actually. Oh, they might. Yeah, they may not have caught that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like it, the, that begin that previously on you know mm-hmm. TCM um, does not like look like the eighties. So there's <laughs> no, like it, it very much looks like the early seventies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, like even when I was in the theater, like yeah, well, I'm not really buying this. I mean, mm-hmm. they tried. I'll give them that, yeah. but it doesn't really work. Jess, do you want to take a stab at this? Honestly, that's one of the. I'm happy to just hand wave it away. I'm fine with. Yes, so you hand wave it away. The, the timeline. Well, I. Yeah, I will. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm fine with fudging decades. I'm not fine mm-hmm. with. By the way, there were dozens of family members you just didn't okay. see hiding in the corner. Like, because they yeah. set up that footage and mm-hmm. they're like, this is exactly, this is like two seconds after this happened. I, I think they were so insistent on being like, okay, here is a visual representation of exactly what happened. Yeah. And here are 20 people hiding in the corner. You didn't see that. I that figured, bothers me more than the timeline. I figured a couple hours would have passed because Sally would have had to go to the police station. Mm-hmm. It would have taken a fair amount of time to calm her down. And then you would have had to like piece out that story like a little by little by little mm-hmm. and then go back. So I figured you have mm. a good solid like 90 minutes that would have passed, which would have given mm-hmm. them enough time to maybe get some of the troops like that. I could understand. Yeah, OK, maybe I can't buy. Uh, yeah. Tanya Raymond in Trey songs as like woof, middle age man. <laughs> shit ain't working like it used to. My, you know, like. So- I can't even do this long road trip without some Advil because my back's going to hurt <laughs> driving. Yeah. Playing I, like I, Neil I, Diamond I, on the... <laughs> uh, 
like going into it this time, I was like being conscious of that. And I was like, okay, so they steal her as a baby and then just leave her in the truck, by the way. But great parenting already. <laughs> but I mean, like, so part of me was like, okay, maybe she doesn't know she's as old as she is. And she's just around young people. <laughs> but like, it, <laughs> no, 10 years is still too much. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but Jess was like, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, it just does. Yeah, it just take a decade. I, I, no, I yeah, honestly, with when you're making like franchises like this, like how old is Michael Myers right now? You know, like I'm, I'm, that's something I'm not a stickler for. I'm fine with hand waving decades away. <laughs> I can't explain it, yeah, but no, no, it's fair. Yeah. Well, how old would Leatherface be in this one? Like, right. like in his 50s, late 50s. Yeah, depending on how old he is in the first one. Um, I had him like, I, w- I was thinking like 60s or 70s. Like I I don't s- consider him a teenager in the original. Like that's okay. like I kind of think of him as like 20 maybe, mm-hmm. but because like... in the 70s like you were 20 years old and you looked 35. Like you, <laughs> good you point. Know, good point. You, know, you just look like when you look at the kids in the first movie, like they don't they're supposed to be like late teens, early 20s, and they look like 30 years mm-hmm. old. Yeah. But they are in their early twenties. Like they're all performers that are about like, uh, what is it? Paul Sert- Paul Sertain, like who plays Franklin. Mm-hmm. Like he looked older than my dad. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't. He looks old. Yeah, Kurt you looks know? like forty five. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's that's just like that time. You know what I mean? Like he just looked older mm-hmm. back then. You know, now like Alexandra Dario, like she's probably an age or like, Oh, you can play a grandmother in a movie. Like that's Hollywood. Like mm-hmm. that's just the way it goes. By the way. Uh, all right. Let's talk about this cast a little bit. What do we, I want to talk about Dan Yeager as Leatherface. Cause I think that after like Gunnar Hansen's performance is obviously iconic. I think it's like the baseline and no one's going to top it. Mm-hmm. His performance here to me feels like the closest thing mm-hmm. to what Hooper was going for with Leatherface yeah. than any of the other movies. Mm-hmm. What do you both say? I, I agree because he's got that, like, he's this huge hulking guy with a chainsaw, but he's got that timidity where he's kind of curled inward on himself a little bit at times. Like, he's he can be aggressive and violent, but he's also kind of just like... I just I love that idea of this giant and like his shoulders curl inward and he curls into like in a protective stance almost because of the way he's been treated by his family. I just I like that combination of aggression and timidity that are kind of at war mm-hmm. with each other. And he worked with Gunnar Hansen a yep. lot to really understand the character. Mm-hmm. Like he really put the he did the homework to really mm-hmm. that. And he like limps a little because he sawed his leg, at, you know, th- forty yep. something years ago, something depending on whatever the time is. Um, so I mean, like he, I don't know, like uh, when it comes to playing a character that was you know famously done by someone else, like he's really trying and he's doing the work. Mm-hmm. So I don't know I he might be the yeah. better, the yeah. best one after leather. Uh, after leather, he's just not even Gunnar Hansen. He's just Leatherface now. <laughs> he might be yeah. he might be the second best Leatherface after Gunnar Hansen for me. Mm-hmm. I thought so too. Like it's obviously like the Leatherface you get in the Platinum Dune movies is much different. Mm-hmm. I think it's one that is much more cognizant of his actions. Like he's a lot more self-aware, and I think there actually is some like thought and foresight into like what he does. Whereas like in the original movie, I think Leatherface is very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can 
he's almost like a scared teenager that doesn't know like why are these people coming to my house and you don't totally get that here but you do get some of it because once again like Leatherface is just kind of like living his life in his aunt's basement and all of a sudden once again you have like five strangers just show up unannounced and this is how he reacts to it yeah it's another home invasion movie yeah mm-hmm. so um, I lost track of thought there for a second. I think there are some cool touches that you get with this, like him sewing the mm-hmm. mask onto his face. Mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty gnarly kind of grisly little moment here. Um, Jess, you mentioned the way like he kind of carries himself with his shoulders kind of like mm-hmm. hunched in like that submissive mm-hmm. posture. And yeah. I kind of wanted to ask, what do you, because this movie kind of posits the idea that like after the shootout at the house that he spent the next like 30 to 40 years with his aunt who just from like reading the letter that was left seemed like a much different sort of family member Mm -hmm. than Drayton or the hitchhiker or even grandpa. What do you think that that relationship might've been like in the intervening years? I see him as being very docile and very submissive to her because i mean you can't undo 20 years of being beaten and berated and you know feeling awkward in your body and wanting to shrink to take up as little space as possible because you're you know less vulnerable to abuse less vulnerable to mockery whatever um so i think he would have carried that with him with his aunt and maybe um not been as fearful but that doesn't go away like i think mm-hmm. that's even the title was it, is that's a title of a book on ptsd the body remembers you know the your body keeps score. the bo- thank you the body keeps the score and great book yeah so he's always going to have that kind of curled in hunched over sinking into himself a little bit but i i see him as just being very docile and obedient and just like doing what she says cuz he's used to doing what his family members tell him to do even if she's very kind about it Mm-hmm. What say you, Andrew? I think that I like I. I'm always kind of curious about this. How does Leatherface get to these people? Thing, and like so, she married out of the family. Um, it seems because uh, like she was a Sawyer, but married into this Carson mm-hmm. family, and yeah, yeah. And so like I'm kind of curious, like the story there. To an, I mean, I don't need to see it. I can make it up on my own. That's <laughs> that, that'll be a better film than whatever they come up with. But the so I'm always kind of curious is how he knows to get to those places. It was the same thing with uh, with Leatherface Chainsaw Three of like how does he know to go to that? Because like it's not the mm-hmm. same family. It's a slightly different. And bring Grandpa with you at the, at right. the same time. So like <laughs> like that's like like this is the thing I always want. It's like how does Jason get to um. In, in Baghead Jason in part two get to, you know, uh, uh, you know what the final girl Alice's. Alice's, thank you, Alice's yeah. house. Like, just thinking about what that looked like logistically is just kind of hilarious. Like, this, right. yeah, I mean, like, and so, like, these are the thoughts Jason. yeah, that, that I have. It's like, so this dude with a leather face, like, trekked across a big chunk of something to get to this, like, big mansion to his, like, wealthy aunt mm-hmm. to be like, you won't believe what happened. Like, or however, you know. <laughs> Like he he doesn't really he doesn't really talk but but you know like like that's that's these are that's where I get like 
lost is I just imagine what that is and I mm-hmm. get kind of stuck on that. <laughs> and so then I just sort of hand wave like, okay, fine, it happened. <laughs> so his stray I'm dog fine. sidekick is a hound dog, like a bloodhound, ah, and he just followed him. Yeah. So that's where the sidekick comes in. Okay, okay. I'm trying to think about the conversation that Vera and her suitor mm. would have. It's <laughs> like, before I accept your proposal, I have to let you know I'm part of a package deal that includes my <laughs> six foot six mute murderous cousin who likes to carve people up with chainsaws. Like, if you want my hand in marriage, we are a package deal. In how that conversation might have gone, what sort of negotiating there was. I will take you tell you one detail I love in this movie. It's a little thing. When the hitchhiker, Daryl, and who, you know, they show him in a tank top, like pretty well-built guy, right? Looks pretty strong. Um, you know, when he is trying to open the door, oh, yeah. he can't. It's too heavy. Mm-hmm. He can't budge it. And you just see, like, Leatherface, like, open and close that thing like nothing. It's a little thing that just kind of hints at how strong this dude actually is without having to like go through some ridiculous feat of strength so i kind of like that like someone not knowing their own strength at that point Mm -hmm. like i really like that little detail there and maybe it's accidental um so overall though i do like even like little moments like when he carries like Vera's body Mm -hmm. to her grave like it's a gentle moment Mm -hmm. it shows you like he's not michael myers that a killer that just goes out and kills for the hell of it. He's not Jason. Because even Jason, you can argue that, like, well, he only kills people when they encroach on his territory. Mm -hmm. So, like, if people left Camp Crystal Lake alone, he'd be fine. But even then, he still goes out of his way to kill people. He's definitely not Freddy. He's just, like, this simple, overgrown person that, like, wants to be left alone but also associates people with food. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like he sees us like we see cattle, basically, if you eat me. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about the cuz. Let's talk about her friends. Alexandra Daddario plays Heather in this, uh, the world's most well-put-together 40-year-old. <laughs> um, I can't let that go. It's okay. I get it. Can't do it. Because she is like the, one of the I, I had the privilege like in two thousand nine when she was first starting out. Uh, have either of you seen the movie Bereavement? No, no, I didn't realize. I didn't know she was in that. It's the second part of. You don't need to see the first one, although the first one's really good, called Malevolence by Stephen Mena, I believe. So Bereavement is like a prequel sequel to Malevolence, and she is in this movie. It's one of her first starring roles, and it like premiered at the New York City Horror Film Fest. And she was there for the screening of it, and you know, like no one really knew who she was at the time. One of the most impossibly beautiful women I've ever been in the same room with. Like you look at her, and you're like, oh my god, this is it, it's impossible to be this gorgeous. Like she's just. Yeah, and this is before she would go on to the Divergent series, and what was that one with McConaughey? The True Detective. True Detective. Yeah. Uh, so she's like someone who constantly works, and she's lovely. Um, what do we think of her as like a cousin in a... I do like the little, like, what is she, she works in a butcher shop, because of course. Because nature, <laughs> it's in her nature. It's in her blood, man. If she did a 23 and Me, it would just say... Butcher cannibal person. Leatherface. Leatherface. <laughs> yes, it's just say yeah. 
Leatherface. Yeah. What do we think of her and her buddies in this? Um. Uh oh. <laughs> no, I. Is there going to be? I've always. My next question, Jess, is where is that? When is the Heather cosplay? Ooh. Oh my God! Please, like. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I'll think about it. I, right. I I did. I was when I was kind of live tweeting my rewatch, and there mm-hmm. is one part that would be ridiculously easy to do because it's basically just a like back comb a wig and put on a button up shirt and unbutton everything but one button and I'm done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe for Halloween. I, I can oh. do that. <laughs> no, I could. Yeah. Um, no, I like her. I've always been fascinated by her styling mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this movie because I don't remember the mid 2010s look like it felt like they were trying to fudge the timeline just with her styling alone, which mm-hmm. is very interesting to me. Um, I, she's, she's fascinating to watch just because like you say, she's just so gorgeous. It's kind of hard to take your eyes off of her just cause she's so beautiful. Um, I like the dynamic she has with her friends and I, it's probably cliche, but I, I thought it was fun, the little wrinkle with her best friend cheating with her boyfriend and mm-hmm. the the fake out where she's like, oh, the horrible thing in the barn, you have to come see. And I, or like, I told you it was fucked up. You know, I just, I like mm-hmm. that scene. It's so silly and ridiculous. Um, but it's kind of, you know, they're not the most well-drawn characters but you kind of expect cannon fodder in this mm-hmm. movie as opposed to yeah. another kind of movie so i, I appreciate Everyone it more. in this movie is wearing like a victim like yes or red yeah. shorts instead yeah, of a please red slash shirt. me yeah. exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> you even get a moment like when tanya raymond is when they're first walking to the uh, mansion, mm-hmm. they shoot it yeah. from like the perspective of yeah, her they, behind, yeah. And she's wearing the, the Pam same shorts, kind of shorts, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. very Which, much that DiCaprio pointing at the you. screen thing. Uh, <laughs> I did that a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah there's a and lot. when she we'll, does the chicken move these. out of the freezer, yep. I always think mm-hmm. of it as a chicken, you know, the flail, um, or, yeah. yeah, it's it's yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is a great funny moment. She just yeah. gets shot. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> he says it, like that's I. And that's and that's, that's a line reading I believe. Uh, like, <laughs> like, I that's one of my favorite things about right. about the friends is that only one of them is actually killed by Leatherface. Um, the other two are. I mean, yes. I'm not counting the hitchhiker. By the way, they're really stupid for leaving the hitchhiker mm-hmm. there. But the. Oh my yeah, god! Like, like, like yeah. that was another thing. Really, you're just gonna leave them? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, this guy you just yeah, this met. guy you just met, but like purple shirt guys, you know, he gets caught in half. That he's the only one who really Kenny, I think, is it Kenny? Um, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really bad with character names a lot of the times. It I'll is, just... yeah, it is Kenny. Okay. Oh, you got it. it is um, so Kenny. he he gets it from from Leatherface, and and I guess Trey Songs is it's Leatherface's fault, but he dies in a car accident technically, mm-hmm. and yeah, right. so I don't know. Like that's I'd like I think that that's interesting that our cannon fodder is actually killed by other things and not Leatherface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I. What do you think of her reaction? Like when you when she pieces everything together, like when she gets the sheriff's office. Why would he leave that there? The, that that's the thing. Like, that that's the thing <laughs> I get caught up like, with. I'm just gonna leave this big like, box of like, evidence. Like, why does Clint Eastwood's son just talk. leave this pile of evidence there? Just 
just because. <laughs> I mean, like, there isn't really a reason for him to do that unless he wants mm-hmm. what happens to happen. Like, that's the only thing. And I, it, he seems to be kind of okay with his dad. I mean, in that he kind of, you know, messes with her in the mm-hmm. in the cop car later. So, I don't know. I don't know. Clint is sending some mixed mm-hmm. signal. Or not Clint. Clint's son is sending some mixed signals here. I mean, he looks like his dad. So, you know, it's like... He so does. That's, that, he that's, does. That, that's the thing I get hung up on. I can, you know, I can kind of deal with the ten, the 10 years problem. I can deal with the family yes. somehow coming out of nowhere. <laughs> but just deputy who is in the mayor's pocket just leaving the the evidence like that i don't know that one's hard for me to get past yeah and the mayor's yeah. his dad the mayor's yeah. his yeah. his pops you know? I, I just see it as they're not very good at their jobs and they no. they think that she is stupid okay that's that's how i see it they don't think mm-hmm. she's significant okay. enough to you know bother okay. I, hiding I guess, I, yeah from. i can okay i see yeah. that i see that and and well, and let's face it, this town is yeah. not. I mean, like the sheriff writes a very detailed report that should have led to several people being arrested. So <laughs> clearly, there's yeah. I mean, that's that ACAB yeah. stuff for you. Like yeah, 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 yeah. You see, we say ACAB, but he's actually a pretty good guy. You know, like the sheriff is kind of like. You know, at the end of the movie, he could have clearly taken leaves. Yeah. Like, yeah, fuck it. These guys suck. Just clean you know? up. Like, we're going to let nature take its course. Just clean up. Which is, the end of the day... So I had this weird thing happen at work today. This is apropos of nothing. At the school I work at, one of the nurses, like, always drops weird stuff in my lap. Like, kids in my office with a headache. Like, do you think that they're having a mental health crisis? Like, no, I think they have a headache. What? But I brought a kid to the nurse today who, like, threw up in the cafeteria. And I'm like, hey, this kid threw up. And she's like, I'm always suspecting people get sick at lunch. What? I'm like, no, there's actual vomit. Like, (laughs) do your job, bam. Like, you know, this is, this is, just clean up, you know? Like, clean the kid up. So, where I'm going with that. I may edit that part out. Who knows? Um, That nurse is going to listen to this and be like, oh, I knew he was talking shit about me. She might. She just might. I, I do fun. like Heather um, in general, though. I do find her to be a, a fun character. And it does kind of help that at a time I, I was working with someone who was named yeah. Heather, and her last name involved the word leather, actually. I don't want to give her full last name. Um, and so, like, I would call her Heatherface because of this movie that came out at that time. So, so I mean, like, uh, that, that's an added endearment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did she... Mm-hmm. So, did she... How far... No, Up she was into crotch. it. She she, she thought it was she liked the Texas Chainsaw movie, so she kind of she dug it. So okay, yeah. no, 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 no. She's and now you're she's married to have somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> from what I hear. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yep. Fair enough. Um, would you have had Heather's reaction to reading this? Like, there's two ways you can go. Like, oh my god, like my birth family were a bunch of savages that like slaughtered all these innocent people. Or, oh man, they got done dirty. Like, which way would you go with this? In her shoes, I think I'd go, I'd do what she did. Because, you know, her adopted family is terrible. Her yeah. friends and boyfriend are terrible. What else does she have? You know, she's she finally founds where she supposedly belongs. And she's like, well, they might be awful, but they're a better kind of awful than I've experienced so far. So it can't hurt mm-hmm. to try it. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't have a lot of good choices on any, in any direction. Yeah. So she, and she's probably always wanted 
that blood connection. And when she's got it, she's not going to give it up. It helps that she mm-hmm. has a bitchin' house. You know, if she, like, like this is yeah. true. This I, is true. I think if it, it was me, I, I would be like, why not both? Can't I be like um, upset that I'm like apparently related to monsters <laughs> mm-hmm. and this happened? Um, so, but. Like, I, however, <laughs> if you throw it, and this is very millennial of me, um, if you say, but you get a house out of it, like in a nice house at that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yeah, you get a mansion full of you stuff. You get a mansion out of right. it. Right. You get yeah. a mineral estate out of it. Like you have these huge barn, you know, you get like a gated driveway. Mm-hmm fucking baller mm-hmm. you get a carnival in your backyard like the carnival is right there mm-hmm. so you can sneak through amusement park like that is oh. i mean what more do you really want yeah, at that point the exactly. only thing you have to do is like feed your the very dragon large angry yeah. adult male you just have to, like, <laughs> that's feed. it yeah that you have a graveyard like... yeah I'd do it. House is already decorated oh, for man. Halloween. Just imagine exactly. the trick or treat, like urban legends about your so house. So I, hmm? <laughs> oh man, love it. I think you know what I do think one of my favorite parts of this movie is is when she goes back and meets Florence Worth, played by the great Richard Reel, who yep. I believe is in Office Space, the guy who comes up to the jump to conclusions. Yeah, map, yeah. Always will. Uh, it's like, it's the jump to conclusions mm-hmm. guy. Yep. It always will be like, we stand him here for that. Um, when he's like, didn't you read the letter? Like, that's my favorite <laughs> part. This whole thing. In the, like, in the commentary, in like all three commentaries, they're just like, if a lawyer gives you a letter, read it. Right. <laughs> like that is, if you get only one lesson from this movie. <laughs> Every basically everything could have been avoided if people didn't hate to read that much. So I think that is like what popped me the most watching this. Like really cracked me up. Was like, didn't you read it? Like it was all explained because um, he knows what's up. Like that's one of my favorite things about this movie. Um, we mentioned the friends briefly, and there's not a lot here, but I'll say like Tanya Raymond is like Nikki is awesome. Like, she is, like, the cool party friend, unless, you know, she's stealing your boyfriend, mm-hmm. of course. Um, best known probably is Alex from Lost mm-hmm. um, before this. Oh, yeah. And she's gone on to do, like, a million different things after this, like, always working. Um, Trey Songs, like, was he a hip-hop guy? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. He was, he was not a small deal at right. the time. Okay. Yeah. Has he gone on Supposedly to do other he things? Was... or? I, I don't know. Um, apparently, he was kind of brought in as a thought to be a draw for for an mm-hmm. audience was to to bring in like to bring in like specifically like twenty something women. I believe was part okay. of it, or maybe it was an added bonus. I don't know. But they did they did cast him with like that kind of like oh, and this will bring other people in. So, so this is pretty much it for him. I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and everything else is basically music videos. So. All right, that didn't work out. I did watch like some of the behind the scenes, and it's like a lot of screaming women around him. So, which is understandable. He's a pretty attractive dude. So, and he said it was not difficult to get up for the part of like making out with Alexandra Daddario yeah. and Tanya Romaine Ramon to this, but not a lot about the cast. I think like there's really the characters are pretty one note. Mm-hmm. Anything I'm missing here before we move on from them? 
Scott Eastwood is his name, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And that's he's, it. He's there. He exists. Yeah. <laughs> he exists. <laughs> his dad's a racist. Um, directed some great movies. Also used movies. to be a mayor of a town. Yeah. Directed some great movies. Starred in some great movies. Kind of a giant weirdo. Um, talked mm-hmm. to an empty chair once. <laughs> but, you know, there we go. That'll be forever on his epitaph. Yeah. All right. Um, last thing. What are some? I think this movie does benefit from some really fun set pieces. Like the carnival scene is great. You yep. get an act to catch like the, a little the pig head saw. Yeah, mm-hmm. the saw yeah. reference. Yeah, mm-hmm. wearing the robe like really like that. I think like Adam Marcus said when he originally wrote it, uh, he had like that kid eviscerated by Leatherface. He's like, I think it'd be pretty cool to have like the Lionsgate cash cow like get obliterated by Leatherface, but he was happy that he actually let him include it. He throws a chainsaw at the screen <laughs> in a pretty fun, then runs away. Yeah. It looked cool. And moment. It, it worked in 3d. I will yeah. tell you it was cheesy, but it worked. What do we think of like the blood and gore? Cause it is a pretty bloody gory movie, but to me it feels a lot different than the platinum dune movies, which those are tough to watch. I don't know what it is, but this just feels different to me. Yeah, I I don't think. Yeah, I don't think every gory movie has to have a sense of humor to be like wink, just so you're not too freaked out. But I do. There's that just grim, nihilistic, ceaselessly cruel nature of the Platinum Dunes ones gets mm-hmm. to me. I do like that this one has a sense of humor and is kind of goofy about it at times. Like it's still reveling in the blood and guts, but it's still kind of not letting you just descend into the dread like the other ones. And I, I love a movie that does that sometimes, but there's just, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of those, uh, the Platinum Dudes ones. But uh, I do think it's the tone. I think it's how it's goofy and funny at times and knows what it is and um, seems to be having fun with it, even when it's really horrible and brutal and bloody. Yeah, that's 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 how I feel too. I mean, imagine what Dead Alive would be like if it was grim instead exactly. of silly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it, I think that you get some really good practical effects with this, which are always yeah. fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you get. I love the sequence where like the cop goes into the basement and he's like, <laughs> I'm going to go in here in my own. Like I'm a big fucking bald. I have a Punisher t-shirt on underneath my, mm-hmm. you know, cop thing here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a badass. And then within like a couple minutes, he's like, Oh, I've made a horrible mistake. Really bad mistake here. Um, and then you get the like iPhone a thing really... is a good gimmick too for that. Yes. It is. Like I, mm-hmm. uh, I, which I mean at the time, I mean now it's a little tired, but at the time it was one of the first uses of doing that, mm-hmm. and that it when it works, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other standout like super gory scenes, and now I'm drawing a blank after I said there's uh, a lot of great gore in this, like. Like head beat with the mouth. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I don't know. Is it a thresher that the thing at the very when they're in the the yes yeah oh with the, the grinder thing the grinder thing mm-hmm. yeah I'm sorry I don't know the yeah. terminology for okay. it but yeah when he gets yeah, ground up yeah. that's yeah it felt very soft yeah, I don't know yeah 
Yeah, and I don't know if that's to make ground beef, or if that is just to, like, get rid of stuff. Like, either way, it's gross, but it's a thing I'm willing to believe is in a slaughterhouse. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's there for your Fargo cosplay, basically. <laughs> you can feel. Yeah. Um, speaking of that slaughterhouse scene, like, one of the notes on this, like, Marcus talked about when he wrote that scene, it wasn't, like two old men beating up Leatherface. It was like 12 people. Because that's one of the things is like, mm. how did these two get the jump on this guy? Um, mm. It was supposed to be like a dozen people and then they were all going to get slaughtered by Leatherface, which makes a lot more sense, I think, than just having two. All right. I only have one more thing. I mean, this is a shorter than usual for us, but I think it's that kind of movie. Yeah. I think it's like a fun little... Yeah, yeah. Just, we're not doing War and Peace here. Um <laughs> But there is one great line of writing. There is one line that, you know, in the annals of history between, like, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings, we're not in Kansas anymore. You think of of lines like, Luke, I am your father. Like, all the great lines. And you have, where does do your thing cause, Frank? Is... And, like, if, if, if this was, like, if this was the Criterion special on AMC, you know, 500 greatest lines in movie history... Do your thing, and you have like who's the dude behind like the actor studio? Charlie Rose James is that who? James Lipton. James Lipton, yeah. like James Lipton, introducing the special. What is Mr. James Lipton saying about "Do your thing, cause"? Where does this fall? Well, it. I, I wish to God I could do impressions because I'd love to do yeah. his voice introducing it as pretentiously as James possible. Well, when will we get the James Lipton cosplay? That's going to be right after the Daddario cosplay, I promise. Excellent. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Looking forward to it. You know, is it the most memorable line from a Chainsaw movie? Um, outside of... I mean, like, there, there's things Franklin says that no. I think of often. Like, uh, if I have if I have any more fun, I don't know if I can take it. Like, I think mm-hmm. of that line a lot for, for no particularly good reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Um, Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we work in schools. Yeah. So, um, so like, I mean, there's things from the first movie that I remember, but for sequels, I don't know if I really have like a line that's up there. Uh, Lick yeah, my yeah, plate, yeah, 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 you yeah. dog good dick. Point, good point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like to be honest. There are worse legacies to have than a silly throwaway line where a woman gives a guy a chainsaw. Um, mm-hmm. If uh, like I have no idea where it would be in the mm-hmm. pantheon of great lines, um, maybe it's somewhere like somewhere above a ghost, like under a Ghostbusters quote, but above a, I don't know, above a, I'm trying to think of another funny but kind of weird funny movie, above a Repo Man quote, maybe like you know it's just yeah, <laughs> mm. just above plate of shrimp, but but you know below listen do you smell something you know it's, it's maybe somewhere in there I guess yeah. Above, uh, better or worse than life is like a box of well, chocolates and you never know what you're going to get. I, I say do Much your better. thing cause a lot more than I better. say that, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. On that note then, better or worse than all my life, I always wanted to be a gangster. It's not nearly really as good. good. No, do you do say not. that all the time, Andrew? Um, <laughs> I do not. No. I do not. Oh. Top of the world, Ma. No, I've, no, I've never said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I have said, Fredo, you broke my heart to <laughs> to a number of students over the years. Uh, <laughs> you Excellent. broke my heart. Um, and they have no idea what I'm quoting, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Kids never yeah. get my references. It's great. <laughs> um, 
I think that when I hated this movie, mm-hmm. I hated it because of this line. When I love this movie, I love this movie because of this line. Yes. Because it's like, like you said, it it's emblematic of the movie as a whole. Like, it's absolutely encapsulates, like, the silly, goofy, it's 2013, the whole world is not on fire, like, our best days are ahead of us, feel. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was downhill after Do Your Thing, cuz. Really, like, that is the moment. (laughs) Jess, looked like you wanted to add in there. (laughs) No, I'm with you. Like, when I hated this movie, I hated it for that line. And when I turned around on that line, I was like, you know what? I like this movie. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah. It's just you have to kind of go with it. I'm not going to rethink my stance on every movie I've ever hated in the past, but this one I turned around. The internet made me like this movie. It made me like that line more. Um, Because I remember when I saw it originally, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, that was a thing to say. It didn't didn't bother me. But then, you know, in the, (laughs) you know, almost decade Mm -hmm. since this movie has come out, like, it's like every time it's mentioned, that's the first thing someone says. And, you know, I just, I just started Mm -hmm. to like it more and more every time it got made fun of. And now it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like not everything has to be like mm-hmm. and I like Mike Flanagan, but my god, not everything needs a 45 minute monologue on like the <laughs> passing of time and the nature of grief. I don't want to cry every time I watch well, a horror movie, you know. Not no, everything on, needs it. Go on, sorry. Mhm. Okay, well, Flanagan did. Flanagan has said that Vera's letter at the end was the, you know, inspiration for all of his monologues. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he, that's a, yes, it's the impetus exactly. from Midnight Mass. Exactly, Absolutely. a direct line from that to. That would be amazing if it was like I, his trailer for like the Christopher Pike adaptation, the Midnight Society. Like, I don't know, man. This seems like it's out of his it's, wheelhouse. It's, this the Christopher. Maybe a, I don't know. It's weird. It's yeah. an odd pairing. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna watch it, but you know. I, oh, I'll watch. In it. Flanagan, yeah. I trust. I will say that, but that's true. Yeah. That was one of the we screened Absentia in Boston, like back when. You're like, hey, can we screen your movie? He's like, sure. And now he's like one of the biggest. Like horror director, so, yeah. um, but not everything has to be mm-hmm. like Saint Maud, you know, where you just come out of that movie. If you're not me and you don't think it's one of the most unintentionally hilarious movies of all time. Uh, mo- I'm with you. It It is a little funny. <laughs> that last shot is so funny. I still haven't seen it. it. I'm so it curious really is now. It kind of funny. Yeah. It's, she's given hand jibbers. I respect what they were trying to do. She At one point, she's given hand jibbers in a bar. And you're like, what? Like, this is what's going on right now. Like, so... For more talk yeah. on that, folks, turn into an upcoming psychoanalysis episode <laughs> where we break down yeah. that movie. Um, yeah. So uh, horror can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. This is this this episode. This episode's been a hot mess. <laughs> I am fucking. It's my oh, fault. Well, this movie exactly is kind of a hot right. mess, but it's like a beautiful yeah. hot mess. Hopefully, the my last, is the same. Yeah, my last note is it's a sneaky Halloween movie because it does take place in or around October thirty mm-hmm. first. So yeah. it's one of those movies if you like need something to watch this Halloween, but you're tired of like Evil Dies Tonight and you've watched Trick or Treat a million times, like you can throw on Let Texas Chainsaw 3D 
and totally get it's a Halloween movie. It counts. All right. Any final thoughts? One of the reasons I really like this movie, I'm a huge fan of watching 3D movies in 2D and spotting where the 3D was placed. Mm -hmm. That is so charming to me. I legitimately love it. So that's one reason I love this one. Like when uh, Heather's in the coffin and Leatherface is chainsawing through the coffin and it's coming Mm -hmm. right at the camera. I'm obsessed with moments like that. So I am a huge fan of that. Excellent. Andrew, how about yourself? Apparently they were... Apparently they were contractually obligated to have five things like that or something in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. like or, or something like they talked about how they had to do that for some reason. But either way, I think it works. Um, I've like, uh, I've, I haven't seen like a, there aren't like a whole lot of horror films to see in 3D. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D twice and that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, My Bloody Valentine in 3D was pretty mm-hmm. great. But this one, just something about chainsaws in 3D was just fantastic yeah and if you it's probably never going to be in 3d if wherever you're at but if it ever comes up you should take take the chance because it is worth it um as a film itself i think it is much more enjoyable than a lot of the other ones in this mm-hmm. <laughs> in this uh franchise yep. and i think and and a lot of so a lot of people from the first movie are in this or 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 are involved in this and you can feel that like love of the first one yeah really mm-hmm make it through the screen like mm-hmm. it kind of reminds like when you watch the special features or listen to the commentaries it feels kind of like like ed wood the, the movie ed wood mm-hmm. not the director ed wood <laughs> like the way everyone is just having this great time making plan nine from outer space and this movie is a better film than plan nine from outer yeah. space so that's kind of like what i kept thinking of while i was you know watching this and going into it but i think the thing that i like the most about it is that it knows what it is and it has fun doing yeah. it and i think that that's something that's yeah kind of lacking in a lot of sequels mm-hmm. and this is the first of three part twos no second of three part twos for this franchise yeah yeah we're getting into the territory where it's our first of two direct sequels to the first movie mm-hmm. uh like directly pick oh no that's not true three you know what yeah. i can't even do it at this point <laughs> it's yeah. not a prequel we have two prequels we have a remake we have three movies called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. two movies called Leatherface. Like it, people talk about the Halloween <laughs> franchise having convoluted, yeah, this... but you can break Halloween into nice chunks and be like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this doesn't. This makes my brain hurt. I think we'll get into that when we do the yeah. last movie in the series. Mm-hmm. So. All right. On that note, and this this is the last one released in theaters, which blows oh, my yeah. mind. Wow. Yeah, the next two are going to yeah. be straight to video. Uh, one of them is a direct TV exclusive for a short while, which is so weird to me. Um, all right. Well, this has been a fun talk. Like, it's definitely looser than our normal episodes. Like, it kind of has that mystery science theater <laughs> quality to it but every now and then i think we need something like that we definitely it's enjoyable yeah um andrew what is going on with the dead letter movie podcast what are you guys cooking up over there uh so we just finished our summer series where we compared summer movies with like with at least 10 years of a gap um our Mm -hmm. last one was comparing um et with lilo and stitch which Mm. actually pair really well um, one of the things I realized while watching E.T. is that that is a story about a guy who missed his ride. Mm-hmm. That's like, 
And then I and then I kind of pre-made it in my head with like Abe Vigoda in like a foreign nation. Um, just being like, kid, I missed my bus. I don't, and they, there's like a language problem mm-hmm. and they're just trying to figure it out. Um, but um, yeah, anyway. Um, and then coming, uh, by the time this is up, hopefully I'll have an article up about, um, I spent in, in preparation for Blonde coming out, I watched a bunch of NC-17 movies. So I wrote mm-hmm. up an appreciation of films of that rating. And uh, so that'll be up, should be up by the time this is out. Where will we find is Will that be on your site or do you, where are you? Oh yeah, yeah. That? Sorry. That's a deadlettermovies.com. Yeah. Excellent. And where can we find you? That's where the podcasts are, too. Got it. And where can we find you on the socials? It is, uh, I believe, Dead Letter Movie. I I do this every time. I was like, is it plural? Is it singular? Because on Twitter, it is Dead Letter Movie, but it's Dead Letter Movies with on Instagram. Got it. Okay, excellent. Jess, how about yourself? What are you cooking up? Um, Lots of horror reviews. Some... um, been working on some Adams Family pieces for Slash Film reviews mm-hmm. on FilmCred and on my site wehowalkyear.com. Um, some more cosplays planned, including Ms. Daddario, um, and yes. a lot of podcasts because horror writers get really popular on podcasts in October. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so just lots of reviews, lots of appearances. Um, you can find me on Twitter at wehowalkyear, mm-hmm. where I post the links to everything and post pictures and. Uh, all kinds of things. So on Twitter at We Who Walk Here. Excellent. And your uh, what are your reviews that you review? Speak No Evil, a movie that I know you are a huge. Fan of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might review it. It is very popular, very well regarded. <laughs> I was not a fan, so I might write no. about it. So we shall see. <laughs> it is a. It's a. As I very few movies get to me like leave me shook that movie left me shook like left me lying awake at night going oh <laughs> it's grim it is uh if you want something less grim similar vein or a plot like uh on shutter there is like who invited them mm-hmm. right yeah now, starring one right oh okay just really fun like ryan hansen is kind of like it has like 90 percent of the charisma and looks of ryan reynolds <laughs> which still makes him like really hot and really charismatic uh and that movie is like a lot of fun like in a different different it's a take on similar material exactly it's like the perils of politeness but it's far more comedic and charming yeah rather than yeah. just oh god i'm gonna go lie in the street for a couple of hours oh yeah 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 <laughs> so uh all right well folks you know me um that wraps up you can Hold on, I'll try that again. So, folks, you know me, you know you can also hear my other show, Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast, wherever you get your podcast, where we are covering cults and fundamentalism is our like topic for the month. And then we have some fun stuff cooked up in October. Speaking of which, for us, we have two movies left in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. So we are coming back shortly with a with basically leather with the movie Leatherface, which is like Texas Chainsaw meets Agatha Christie. It's like, <laughs> who is will the real Leatherface please show his show his face? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, it's directed by the gentleman from Inside, who I'm always mm. happy to watch one of their new movies and be mildly disappointed by it. So little spoilers to what we'll ta- tackle. Then we have the 2022 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre to wrap things up with before we return to Haddonfield in October, where we'll tackle both Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. And then after that, I don't know. I think Jess and the others, I need to kind of pose to y'all, like, what do you want to do? Like, what should be a fun franchise to end the year? We had one of our listeners ask, when are we going to be doing the um, Romero Living Dead films? And we definitely need to get to those. I will admit, like, one of the things I love to do is, like, deep dives and research and, like, put together a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And, like, I am not super well-versed in those movies. Like, as great as they are, like, I kind of need to do, especially the original trilogy, uh, a lot of rewatches. And and, and, uh, I want to be up for the task. So, I don't know. Like, I think I want to do something fun and light, too, to end the year. I think we need to do something kind of... I don't know. But that is it for this week's episode. Follow us over at Pod and Pend over on Twitter. Uh, follow me at Mike underscore Snoonian. Uh, go ahead and leave us, rate us a five, and leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's huge in helping listeners find us. Uh, and, you know, we've seen with this series like a nice little bump. So we really appreciate that. Um, and check out our site, podinthependulum.com where you have all of our archives and notes and things like that. And we will be back in a couple weeks with 2017's Leatherface. Fucking Lord have mercy on us all. All right, we're out. <laughs>